Hello, and welcome back to another episode of We've Never Been Clicked. I'm Cuppy Cup, and I am joined by my co-host, Dr. Norris Camacho Rush Roberts. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Very good. And we have a real football guest tonight, so this is exciting. Kef Chardello, Texas State Bobcats beat reporter for the Austin American Statesman. How are you, Kef? Did I do okay with your last name? You nailed it. Thank you. Thank you for the correct pronunciation. And I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be talking with y'all. Awesome. Very good. I'm going to tell on myself here as we get into these questions. I know very little about Texas State this year, other than who your head coach is, obviously. The first game of the year is always special and exciting. And this is obviously a Thursday night game. We're going to play uh, next Thursday, August 29th at 730 at Kyle Field. So we just wanted to kind of uh, bounce some questions off you, learn a little bit more about the Texas State team and uh, what you're looking for going into this matchup. Sure. Well, right off the bat, you're not alone. You're like most people when you, when you said all, all you know is the new head coach and not very much else but the Bobcats, which that's okay. Like I said earlier, I know I know a little too much. So Rush probably knows more than I do. Uh, yeah, I know who the head coach is and the offensive coordinator. Wow, you're killing it. Yeah, Bob Stid. Uh, people are pretty excited about Bob Stid too. Yeah, I, was, I would imagine. I was a little bit surprised, and I'd kind of forgotten that kind of slipped under the radar. But yeah, I, I guess him and Coach Spavadol go back a little bit. You know, with the um, they just met through the through the ranks and had an opportunity to throw him an offense coordinator job while he was an analyst at Oklahoma State, and so Bob Stid didn't have anything better to do, so he's calling the plays for the Bobcats. Yeah. So is, that, is there a lot of excitement around that? I mean, that's a pretty big name. He was a really hot name years ago would go into Montana and uh, is he going to have complete control of the offense or is Spav still going to kind of oversee things? Just curious how that dynamic is going to work. Stitt's calling the plays, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some input from Spav at all, of course, as the head coach, but it's going to be Stitt calling the plays. They've both been very clear with that. Um, And yeah, people, people are definitely excited, especially when you talk about the innovator of the fly sweep and all these things he did at Colorado school of mines. And, you know, he, he didn't get, a full chance in Montana before they let him go, but he did some good things there. And he even uh, was able to bring a quarterback with him with Gresh and Gresh Jensen from Montana to Texas state. And we'll get into, we'll get into that in a little bit, but I mean, the, the excitement around Spavadol is, is nothing I've, I've seen here before. I mean, off and on, this is my ninth season covering Texas state going back to when I was in school here. And this is, this is the most excitement I've seen, which is, kind of crazy when you think that they've won 10 games the last four years, but people are, are, are real excited about what this could possibly bring. There hasn't been an exciting offense here at Texas State, you know, especially not at the FBS level since they went FBS in, in 2012. They did one year in the WAC, and then they've been in the Sun Belt ever since 2013. Um, and they're just, it's, it's always been a, a defensive, st- like even in 2014 when they went seven and four, it was a defensive a defensive unit. He had, he had David Mayo's in the NFL. Craig Mager, I think, is a free agent right now. You know, he had Mike Arakbo. Is, is, it's always been defense here in San Marcos. So have some offensive guys like Spavadol, Stitt. You, you, you got people you know, licking their chops, thinking about the points. That is exciting. See, I, I know who Bob Stitt is, so now I feel stupid for not realizing that he was your offensive coordinator. But I, I do have to challenge you on the excitement level. Was the excitement not peaking when Fran was on his way to town? Fran, no, Fran didn't elicit a ton of excitement. He really did. He's very, very vanilla system scheme he had. 
but he got the job done that they brought him in to do. And that was to help this program transition to FBS because he had a ton of FBS experience, as you all know, in, in College Station. He has a lot of a lot of FBS experience when he came in. It was just it was the tail end of his career. It was it was definitely a retirement job that he took, and uh, he he did what he needed to do. Now, the previous coaching staff is a, was was probably, if you want to label it a mistake, you can based on the wins loss records. I mean that that was one where it didn't elicit any excitement. You got a guy. He was Withers. He was an FCS coach. They brought him in, and it was just loss after loss. And so, yeah, I think I think because of that, because it got so so down and dark in the Withers era, that's also where a lot of excitement comes from. It's because Withers. I mean, not only was they weren't winning, but he was not approachable to fans. He wasn't approachable to media. They could they could recruit, and I'll give them that. You know, there's a lot of layover from from what they recruited. And even at JMU, I don't know if you know much about JMU on, on the FCS level, they're winning FCS national titles, and that's a program that Everett Withers built through recruiting. So, I mean, he's he was good with that. But there just there hasn't been there hasn't been the excitement that there is now. Right, and and Spav's pretty laid back and approachable, isn't he? Oh, very, very approachable. You know, and Fran Fran was approachable. He was a nice guy. And he kind of has, they have that in common. I'll give him that. Like when we go to the practices, he'll actually come up to the media, shake hands. He'll shake hands with donors. He does the whole politicking, kissing babies thing. I mean, <laughs> he's really good at that, which is, which is a change, you know, here. Um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't very welcoming. It wasn't welcoming to fans. Like they, they wouldn't, they would never open up scrimmages or, or anything like that for, I guess they did open up one right before they left in the spring. But they they just they weren't accommodating to the fans, which is crazy for a program that that in all due respect they don't have a ton of fans. So if you're going to isolate the one the few ones that are there, a lot of them left. But now when you have Spav who's walking around, he's showing up at Chimmies and you know shaking hands with the everyday man. It's it's getting it's getting people around the program very excited. I mean, there's so many people at the practices now. It's it's interesting. Um, that, you know, just people that weren't allowed before, like donors and former players. And, you know, before it was just like the media would show up and we could watch them warm up and then they'd have someone come kick us out. But there wasn't anybody else around. It's just, it's, it's a different feel, more inclusive feel, which is, which is what you need when in a, in a growing program, a small program. That's good. Y'all have chimneys? Yes. Yes. We, it's, uh, it's relatively new. I know y'all have the bigger one. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was like special for us. I went and covered the College Station Regional a couple years back when when Texas State was in it, and I I checked out that chimney. Y'all y'all have the better chimneys. Okay. <laughs> this is this is a newer one. It's if nothing newer, else. It's, it's, only, it's only been around like five years, but yeah, there, there's a square here in San Marcos. They call it the square. There's a dozen or so bars all around in, in the middle of the town, and they're all literally in the square and around each other in a block. And chimneys is it's the starter, what everyone calls it. It's like the first bar you go to before you, you move on to the others. Okay. It's a beautiful town. I My wife uh, makes me go there to go to the outlet mall. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, anytime yeah. we visit Austin. So, um, yeah, I, I like San Marcos quite a lot. So It's about, the, it's about the only way I can get my mom to visit me in San Marcos. Maybe at the outlets. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe at the outlets. Come on, you can, you can go down to the, the premium side. 
and we have we have kind of an interesting history with Spav because, well, like we do with all coaches who um, aren't winning, he he got a pretty bad rap here. Uh, but I think the further and, and our blog, I think compared to everybody else, was pretty pro Spav. Uh, but I think the further removed we are from that era, the more we start to believe that maybe uh, Kevin Sumlin was the actual problem uh, with with that team. Well, you know, it, it's interesting you say that because because I I have a different parallel with that with Tom Herman because he was the offense coordinator at Texas State from two thousand five two thousand six with David Bailiff as the head coach, and Bailiff went on to coach Rice. And when Bailiff moved on, Herman wanted the job at Texas State, and they were like, nah, you're too young. You know, nobody really gave him enough credit, and now you look at him, he's pretty successful at UT and, and everything. And, and so and I, it's kind of hard when, when guys are so young. Because if, if I'm remembering correctly, that's his first offensive coordinator gig was A&M. Like he was quarterback coach and then the offensive coordinator. So it is, it's pretty early on in his career, so it's, it's easy to – to criticize that, but you know, he's definitely, definitely grown, you know, from Cal then to West Virginia. He's, he's grown up, he's grown up a lot since. Yeah. Then. I think the time he spent in West Virginia with Holgerson really helped him mature as a play caller. I think so too. Yeah. Cause he talks about Holgerson a lot, you know, Holgerson's now at Houston. Yeah. I remember we played West Virginia in the Liberty bowl in 2014 and those two were going out on Twitter. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. They seem like, yeah, they seem like they're, Similar personalities, you know, laid back guys, you know, guys, guys who like to have a good time. Well, it's fun to have, uh, you have Spav who has a lot of expertise in the quarterback position. And, uh, I've just, I've just started following you on Twitter this week and I've learned a lot about your quarterback battle. So how is that all shaking out heading into the, the game against the Aggies? Yeah. Quarterback, you know, it's always the interesting position everyone wants to know about and, it's it's a true blue competition right now between a sophomore Tyler Vitt, who started five games last year for for the Bobcats and inconsistent, you know, had his moments, you know, dynamic moments, followed by terrible interceptions. And then you have junior Gresh Jensen, who he transferred in from Fullerton College, but before Fullerton, he was at Montana with Bob Stitt. He was his quarterback and. They went on to, to win, I think, it was eight games that season. They had a pretty good year. And, and Gresh Jensen had pretty good stats. And I know when Bob Stick got fired is why Gresh Jensen went to JUCO, was kind of leaving in solidarity with his coach. And now they're reunited. Everyone kind of assumed, okay, Gresh Jensen's probably got this. He's more experienced. He's got familiarity with Stitt. It's probably going to th- go that way. But as – camp developed Tyler Vitt has kind of taken over and he started taking the first team reps in practice the last week it's been solidly Tyler Vitt you know Gresh will get in there with the second team have some success but Vitt's been the guy on the on the first unit and his it's really his leadership quality you know coach Spavel said he galvanizes the locker room was was the word he used and he he really does have a hold of that locker room that experience from last year you know and, and he's uh the thing about Tyler Vitt is he's he's and he's a kid out of San Antonio, MacArthur High School in San Antonio. Um, he's he's a gunslinger. He'll make these he'll make these real fantastic plays. He'll throw a ball at a tight window, and you're like, "Wow, how do you do that?" And then he'll throw a pick on at the at the goal line, and that's you know he's he was only 
one year of experience in college, but that's kind of been his early forte. Obviously, you can grow out of that, but he's very inconsistent now. And, and Gresh Jensen is the steady hand. He doesn't throw a lot of picks, but he's not going to make the dynamic bomb it down the field play. Okay. In the, in the, so he's kind of the, the, the steady elder statesman. And honestly, against the Aggies, because I don't expect it to go well for the Bobcats, I would expect to see both. Um, if I'm a betting man, I'd, I'd put Tyler Vitt as the starter. But we'll, we'll we'll see how that works out. And honestly, there's even a true freshman. His name's Cedric Case. He's at a Lincoln High School in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, 8,000 yards in Nebraska. He, he, uh, he may even get in there. I expect to see all three of them, honestly. Just because th- that's kind of how it goes when Texas State plays – uh, these money games, as I like to call them. Sure. You know, they get, they get a big fat check. 1.1 million is what I hear it is. I haven't confirmed that, but it's, I hear it's, it's the biggest Texas state's ever gotten to play. Wow. That is nice. Yeah. But yeah, usually that's how it goes is they end up playing their whole group of quarterbacks just to even, even the young guys get, throw them out there, get them experience. You'll see them. You'll see a lot of guys getting experience, especially in the second half. Just, it goes the way I'm expecting it, as we're all kind of expecting. Okay. Yeah, we hope to see something similar from the other side. Uh, the- <laughs> yeah, the op- the opposite effect, though, where you got <laughs> big, big lead. So, yeah, I might as well put in the, the young guys. And the, the last I looked, the spread was A&M minus 34. What do you think about the line? Who would you, who would you take there? Oh, five touchdowns there. Because, honestly, that's about where I, that's about where I peg it. Because okay. in my mind, I'm thinking 56 to 17. So I guess I would, I would, I would be under. All right. I'm, I'm a cynic, so I would, <laughs> I would not bet on A&M with that spread. But I've actually been wrong about these early games the last, uh, last couple of years. So we'll have to wait and see. And I'll say this. I don't know if you, you saw the last time Aggies and Bobcats played. It was 2005 with Tom Herman as the offense coordinator. We were talking about him earlier. 2005 was the last time they played, and it was um, was it 41 to 34, or 44 to 31? I don't know. It's it it a way closer than anyone felt comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. And talking to people that were were around the team at the time, they were saying that uh, it was pretty salty Aggies in the press box that night because they were like, "Oh yeah, you know, it'll we'll we'll have our third string quarterback in by the by the second half and and yeah they didn't get a chance to see the backup that night they, the Aggies had to keep the starter out so that being said I don't expect that to I don't expect it to go that way this time especially with Kellen Mond I, I'm pretty big on him that's good yeah we're uh we're hoping to see more from Mond this year although he did he finished last year uh quite nicely so maybe just a continuation of that I think so I I think he I think he's definitely going to progress I mean it's a natural you know, he's now his second year with Jimbo Fisher. I, I think Kellen Mond's really poised. I liked him a lot at high school, Mister IMG. You know, he was. Uh, oh yeah, he was a he was a good player. Bobcats offered him. Obviously, he didn't take it. But <laughs> his loss, his loss. Now he has to play for the the Aggies. <laughs> did you did you say the Bobcats have won ten games in the last four years? Is that what you said? Ten games. I've covered every every. Every one of those wins. Okay, so and given all of the losses too, given okay. that history and having the excitement around uh, Spavital now leading the team, what goals do you think are on the table for for this year's team? Well, I mean, realistic goals. I, they need to double the, not double. I guess they got three, five, five to six wins. I think is a realistic goal for this team. 
you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough schedule for, for the Bobcats, when, especially once they get in the conference. They're playing some of the heavy hitters in the Sun Belt, Arkansas State, Appalachian State, Appalachian State, excuse me. And this, so it, it'll, be, it'll be a pretty tough go, and even non-conference. I mean, it's, it's four tough opponents, not just the Aggies. Then you got Wyoming, SMU, and then Nichols State, who's picked seventh in FCS, uh, in the FCS poll. So they're not, it, that's not a cupcake FCS game. Right. So I, I I would say five six wins is 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 manageable for this team. Six would obviously get them a bowl game, which would right. people would freak out around here if that happened. Everybody would be excited, which would which would be nice. But when I look at I know when I looked at it, I I pegged them for five when I look at the wins and losses. Okay, which would still be pretty good progress. Yeah, I I would think so. And obviously expectations would be higher in, in Spavadol's second year. So he gets a, re- a full recruiting class in and. And really, everyone starts to get used to this offensive setup. But I mean, obviously, I'd love to be surprised, and so would a so would a lot of other people around here. What I mentioned that I'm I'm pretty ignorant about this team. What what players or uh, positions or units really stand out for Texas State as as positives this year? Gosh, I, defense definitely. Defense is is their their strong suit. In the last staff, they were defensive-oriented guys. You know, I've talked about Withers a little bit. He's now the defensive backs coach for the New York Giants. Okay, he's, he's always been a he's been a defensive guy in NFL and, and in a few spots. Only only small FCS head coach and then Texas State. But, but so he, he really brought in a lot of defensive guys. And right off the bat, you got Brian London, who he's at 342 career tackles, 105 more, and he's the all-time leader at Texas State. He's been solid his first three years. Um, he's, he's a, you know, a, a pro guy in my mind. I don't know if he's a draft guy, but he's an undrafted guy. He has scouts always come around looking at him. So Brian London in the middle of the defense, you know, he led the Sun Belt in tackles last year. And then right next to him is Nick Daniels at inside linebacker. He was second in the Sun Belt in tackles last year. So you have the two top tacklers in conference right there in the middle of the defense. DBs have, have, have been surprisingly you know, good in fall camp as well. Jerron Morris is returning at corner. You've got Deshaun Waddy at safety. You get some, you get some really good DBs, and they've switched it up. You know, Zach Spavadol is the defense coordinator. Jake Spavadol's older brother. Right. Yeah, I just learned that. Yeah, two weeks ago, and he came in from Tech, and he's kind of switched it up. Before it was a three-four, um, you know, just just a standard three-four defense. Um, this staff, it seems they're doing three, three down linemen, three linebackers and a nickel. They're all, they seem to always be having five DBs and running that nickel. Um, and, and so it's a little, it's a little different because, because that outside linebacker, you know, they, they, they're pretty deep there because it used to be, they would rotate four in with um, two guys on the outside. And now it's all four of those guys are kind of jammed into one spot. And so they're kind of moving them around in some packages and stuff. So the defense it's returning eleven of the twelve starters, um, but it's it's kind of shifted around a little bit. So that'll be interesting to see. But they have a lot of a lot of good players on the defense and a, a big defensive line for the first time in a while. The Bobcats have actual size; they have good size at nose tackle and everything. I think compared to the A and M offensive line, they're not very big. But for Sun Belt standards and Texas State standards, they are a pretty big defensive line. But they'll they'll definitely surprise you on defense. I mean, they, they, Aggies won't be able to slack off too much. Offense might be a different deal. 
Um, I really think that defensive line versus Texas State's offensive line, the Aggies are going to eat that up. I mean, you guys, you guys got some some big boys on the D line, and you know, it's not that Texas State's as small guys, but small compared to SEC and and the Aggies for sure. But that being said, they they're really good at running back. Texas State. There's a lot of quarterback questions, obviously, but running back, they've got three guys who can do it. Anthony Taylor's the starter. Below him, you got Jalen Nelson. He's a bowling ball, just bounces off guys. You got Caleb Twyford. He's he's kind of he's good out of the out of catching passes too, out of the backfield. Um, so running game, they'll be pretty strong. Receiver, they're solid, but they don't have anybody that's going to burn the top off the defense. They've got possession guys. You know, any of the guys who have the skill to run it out, they're just not quite breaking through the rotation yet. Okay, well, you've sufficiently scared me already. But that's Have just I? the type of fan I am. The uh, but <laughs> I will changes <laughs> changes prediction now. Yeah, oh. I will feel better if we stall on a few early drives, knowing that the defense is the strength. I yeah. won't panic early. And, and you know what I've what I've from my experience with these games, like these money games, I said with Texas State, is the Bobcats are going to come out real excited, amped up, ready to play an M on Kyle Field. They can't wait. It's the biggest game they're going to play, you know, the biggest crowd they're going to play in front of probably ever. And the Aggies are going to be like, all right, all right, let's get this over with. I got a date tonight. You know, <laughs> like let's, let's hurry up and beat that. Let's beat the Bobcats. And so that first series, first couple series, Bobcats are going to be looking good. And Aggies are probably going to be a little bit relaxed. And then it'll change about halfway through the first quarter. And uh, it'll, it'll, Kellen Mond will, will start hitting Courtney Davis quite a bit and, yeah. and it'll it'll change a lot. Because you gotta remember when I'm high when I'm saying they're looking good here, they're looking good there, I'm thinking Sunbelt standards, which is nowhere near the SEC. I mean, yes, they are FBS. It's all FBS, but it is P five and G five for a reason. There's there's definite definite difference. And I see it every time Tech State plays a P five. See, I've been to games like that early in the season, and sometimes they never do change. <laughs> the, I think Florida <laughs> International was one, and obviously Arkansas State when yeah. when Sherman played against them yeah. was another. But uh, I, I'm not expecting that this year. But you know, sometimes those games can get kind of scary if they get away from you early. Oh yeah, you know, and and just as you're being the 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 cautious person you are thinking about with the Aggies like oh my gosh they may not do it I'm thinking about the Bobcats where I've seen it fall apart so much I'm like I eh, don't even worry <laughs> you know so we're both kind of doing the same thing and that's kind of a beautiful thing about football is we, we don't know any given Saturday never- that's right as long as you go in with low expectations you can we're all time. skeptical for all different reasons exactly <laughs> we've, been, we've all been burned terribly in our sports lives I'm sure <laughs> I um I did ask Twitter if they had any questions for you and uh people were pretty snarky so I didn't accept most of those questions uh but we did get one from Ryan Loofs or Loofs that I thought was interesting he wanted to ask so you obviously have the I35 rivalry between uh Texas State and UTSA and we have our I guess past rivalry with Texas and Texas A&M so Ryan wanted to know if that Texas Texas A and M rivalry was analogous to Texas State UTSA. Which team is Texas State and which team is UTSA? I made that confusing. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I got. It. Oh yeah. First of all, I want to commend the, the use of the word analogous. That's great vocabulary by 
on that question. Thank you. I don't know if it was his word or mine. I'll have to go back. Just take credit for it. I remember seeing it was his. I saw it. I was like, wow, that's a great (laughs) Aggie fans are pretty well educated, it seems. No, but yeah, I I do think there are some parallels between the two rivalries of Texas State and UTSA and UT and and A&M. And it, you know, right off the bat, the the cities, you know, well, they're not in the same conference, you know, you know, the conference USA for UTSA, Sunbelt for the Bobcats. SEC for AM, Big 12 for UT. So that right there, it's it's a non-conference opponent, even though it used to be different for y'all, but that's a, that's a different deal. Um, the cities, you know, because UTSA is in San Antonio, UT is in Austin. They have that in common. They are colleges that are that are in the in the heart of, of pretty big cities. And then you have San Marcos and College Station. They're more of that traditional college town feel, you know, and and, and which for me, I feel like adds adds more to the college experience. It's supposed to be a small town. When you're lost in a city, there's traffic, there's people in business suits, you know, having real lives all around you. It takes away from 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 that college that college thing. So I like that for for Texas State and for Texas A and M. Okay. You know, obviously there's we we shouldn't talk colors, but there's maroon. <laughs> I guess I think that was one of the rules he said. Don't talk. Yeah, colors. don't talk about colors. I, I rescind that one. We'll, we'll take that one back. Um, you know, and, uh, and th- those are some of the, uh, some of the parallels there. I mean, it's kind of hard when, when, with the level of football, I guess there, there is a lot of history at Texas state. It's not a lot of well-known history cause they've kind of gone D2 to D1 double A to FBS. So things kind of get lost in the fray when you're, when you're constantly moving and, and A&M has had that consistent, you know, division one FBS program. Um, but Texas State's had football for 110 years. And that's the frustrating thing about UTSA is they've had football for seven, eight years. And they've, uh, they're, in some aspects, they've surpassed Texas State. I mean, they've gotten to a bowl game already. Texas State hasn't. If, I mean, well, some people include the Palm Bowl in the 80s. They won the, the D2 National Championship in the early 80s. So some people like to say Texas State went to the Palm Bowl. Okay. I don't count that. I'm, we're talking FBS bowl games. You're a purist. Yes, I am. Texas State, <laughs> Texas State hasn't been to an FBS bowl game since 2012 when they've been eligible for it. And, and UTSA has. And you, honestly, if you go to a UTSA game and you see the atmosphere at the Alamo Dome, there's, it's great. It's fantastic. And they've already developed a lot of traditions with the fans. You know, they wave a come and take it flag and they do all these things. And it's, it's, it's incredible to see what they've done in the aspects that they have surpassed Texas State. But I will say that they've Texas State has has moved a, has made a lot of moves like bringing in Spavadol, actually throwing money at a coach and throwing money in certain areas. I feel like they feel that pressure from UTSA, so it is, it is nice they feed off each other. It's a shame they don't play each other this year, but they will play each other um, the next five consecutive years, starting in 2020, 2020 to twenty twenty five. What, do you think you'll have a, a contingent, uh, some fans that, that come up to Kyle Field to watch this game? Um, yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of a lot of my followers have have tweeted out their pictures. There's one in particular, his name's Tom Madden, big Bobcat fan, and he tweeted out a, a picture of like, gosh, like 15 tickets. Okay, so, I mean, it, it won't be a ton, and you know, it's the the Aggies will be the dominating voice at, at that field, but yeah, they'll they'll show up. They'll show up. That's the thing about Texas State fans. Not a ton of them, but the ones that are there, they're, they're pretty damn loyal. 
Yeah, and they'll be at Chimmy's looking at the the mothership Chimmy's. <laughs> yeah, go check. Go college stations. College stations a lot of fun. Yeah, it's you a know, lot more fun than it used to be. <laughs> more fun than loving. Bobcats had a three-game series with Tech, uh, 2011 through 2013, and I went to Lubbock twice. Sorry. Call, yeah, yeah, <laughs> thank you. But yeah. no, college, college Station's a way, a way better time. You know, Lubbock's not bad, but it's so far. Gosh, that drive. They didn't, See, they didn't like us, so I didn't, I didn't like the idea of going there. Yeah, oh, I, you know, and that's the thing about – being a Tech State fans, when you show up, even when it was Florida State in 2015, or I didn't go to the Arkansas game, but I'm sure it was the same up there. People are just kind of like, "Oh, gee, hey, shucks, pal, thanks for, thanks for showing up." They don't really <laughs> talk a lot of trash, you know. They don't want to kick a guy who's down. You're already this big program. So. That's what made the Arkansas State game. I hate to bring this up twice in one show. No, the Arkansas it. State game was amazing because all the Aggies expected to just dominate or at least win that game so everyone was being really nice to the the fans because they they brought a a decent size group to that game and then after the game it was my first game as a student so i was like really nice and congratulatory to the fans because i was told that's how we were supposed to act Uh, but i noticed that it was not like that all around yeah (laughs) people were very upset that we lost that game and you know and that's the that's exactly what I mean. Just people, people are nice at the beginning, and that's that's so funny. Arkansas State pulling that off. And, you know, talk about a good fan base. The Red Wolves, Arkansas. Oh, yeah. State, they've got some. Them, Appalachian State, and um, Lafayette have have the, probably the best traveling Sun Belt fans. I would say they are some. They are a loyal bunch. You know, I'm personally excited. I've never been to Kyle Field. Never seen a football game there. So I, I'm I'm very excited to be in the press box. I hear the press box shakes. Yeah, I think the I thought they were going to fix that with the renovation, but I think it shakes more now. Oh, so, cool! I'm ready for it. They yeah. won't let us up there, you know. You know better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> uncredentialed, actually. Yeah, of course. With, oh yeah, the new show. Yes. Thank you for plugging the new show. That's Pretty launching next I can't week. wait. I'm subscribed on YouTube. I need to subscribe on iTunes. Now. Oh wow, that's like one of <laughs> ten. You're hey, exclusive. Yeah, I'm out. I saw like 800 or so. <laughs> no, it's fine. Thank you for doing that, though. Um, like, we have no idea what we're doing, but we'll see. Hey, that's how you got to do it. You know, you just got to roll punches. And I, yeah. I think doing something with Jay is going to be a lot of fun. I think he's going to be a, a a great host. So I'm, gl- I'm glad when the other 98 went down, y'all kind of scooped him up, which was good. Yeah, we also have a list of tall person tasks around the house. So when he comes over <laughs> to record. How big can... is he? I know he was a player. How big is that guy? What is he? Probably 6'5 or taller. I don't know, 6'6. Oh. Gosh, he seems so much smaller on Twitter. I'm see I'm I'm only five eight, so everyone over six foot tall seems to be like seven feet tall to me. And yeah. then I find out later that they're only six three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> only. But yeah, he's a he's a big dude. So yep. he's yep. if we go do things like at tailgates and things, I will have a lot more confidence than I usually do just because Jay will be standing next to me. Oh yeah, you talk a little more mess to the fans. Yeah, exactly. Like get him, Jay. <laughs> Mix it up a little bit. <laughs> That's the way to do it. You gotta have a big guy around all the time. <laughs> Very good. Well, Kev, thank you for coming on the show on such short notice. Um, I learned a lot about Texas State, and I always feel like an idiot going into these games not knowing any of the the players on the other team. So I think this is kind of a fun exercise to go through the week before the game. Um, yeah. 
you're actually a really good follow on Twitter, uh, which I, I don't mean to make that sound <laughs> shocking, but since I don't have any expertise yeah. in uh, in Texas State football, I have enjoyed following you. So even if it's only for the next week or two, what handle can Aggie fans find you at? I am at Kef underscore C. That's K-E-F-F underscore C. I appreciate the good the good follow. You know, you, you saying that about me because that means I'm doing my job. And there's not a ton of coverage. That's why you shouldn't feel dumb about knowing it a lot. It's not a ton of coverage on the Bobcats. So, but you've got all of it. You've got video, and you're doing all the uh, spavital availability. I mean, like everything you could want as an, a fan of the opposing team is on your feed. So you're like the the one stop shop. Awesome. Well, th- it warms my heart to hear that. I'm trying to be Mr. Multimedia. So, so thank you. <laughs> See, we're not supposed to say nice things about people working for the Austin American Statesman either. So I'm going out on a limb here for you. Well, I'm freelance. So, I mean, they give me enough oh, work where I can okay. pay the bills, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm exclusively, I, I do all their Texas State stuff. Yeah, you do a lot of work for freelance. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, it, that's more like budgetary. It's much cheaper to pay me by the article than to bring me in the office. You know, and I get more freedom. I, I hang out. I can write from home and wherever, but... It's enough, it's, enough, it's enough to pay the bills. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know how it goes with newspapers eventually. Yeah, you just need the athletic to start up their Texas State. Uh, oh, man, you know I'm emailing them. Coverage. You know I'm emailing them. I'm trying. The athletic, <laughs> if you're listening, please. <laughs> they're, paying, they're paying the writers like $120,000 a year or oh, something. So <laughs> Got to get in on that sweet BC money yeah. before it dries up. Oh, gosh. You know, and it probably won't drop soon. I just read somewhere they have six hundred thousand subscribers. Yeah, I'm I'm one. I, I'm one. I wanted the barbecue coverage from Andy Staples. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Is it better than Jay's though? I don't think so. No, Jay. See, Jay goes to all the all the local spots. So yeah. I would. I wish we had a budget. I would love to just travel the state with him and do shows at each barbecue spot. Oh. Um, if I was more ambitious, we could start that on a small scale and see where it went. But I don't like to leave the house all that much. Oh, I hear that. I hear, that seems like a lot of work. You just send Jay and with a camera. He can, yeah, that might be what I have to do. He can set it up himself. The first episode is just going to be me teaching him to do the whole thing by himself. <laughs> yeah. That's how you set up a tripod. That's how you edit out you walking up and turning on the camera. Uh-huh. Beginning and end of the, each clip. This is how you add my name to the credits. Right, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's the most important one. Don't forget that. <laughs> awesome. Well, <laughs> thank you again, Kev. Have a great uh, rest of the day and uh, enjoy your, your stay in College Station. I hope you have a good time there and, and meet some cool people in the press box. Thank you. I can't wait for it. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it, guys. Excellent. Take care. You too. Bye. And you too, Rush. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Thanks, guys. Never been clicked yet